Hey, I'm Cameron, and thanks for checking out this message today. We're glad that you are here and would love to get connect with you and your family. One easy way you can do that is to text River Connect to 97000. You can also visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and some of our upcoming events. Lastly, if you would like to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount that you want to give to 84321, or you can head to our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Morning, 1030. How are you? It's great to see everybody. If you have your Bible, open up to Ruth chapter number four. If you have your app or phone or any of those things, I'd love for you to turn with me to Ruth chapter number four, eighth book in the Bible, starting from the beginning. We are wrapping up our family series. Uh, We have been studying the book of Ruth and so enjoying it. I hope you've been reading along with us. I did want to tell you, uh, our, uh, my growth community this week uh, had a couple that came, and they said, Pastor, we came to the 1030 gathering last week, so last Sunday, and uh, we went to find a parking spot. That was hard to do, and uh, so then we parked, and uh, when we went to leave after the gathering, somebody blocked us in, and they said something like, isn't that awesome? And I was like, Yes! It's so awesome that we're running out of parking spots, and I know it makes it a little inconvenient, but uh, we even sent staff parking off-site today just to make sure we have enough spots, but just exciting uh, seeing the church grow, and uh, my prayer that I pray all the time is Colossians 2.19, that we would be a church that grows with the growth from the Lord, and we want to grow in Him and through Him to know Him and to be that light to this community, and so just amazing and exciting to see what the Lord is doing. We have been studying the book of Ruth, and uh, if you're new with us, thank you for joining us. Uh, Welcome everybody online, and if you're new with us, this book starts off really in a devastating fashion. Devastating? That sounds good. Uh, that, That Naomi is bitter, she's angry with God, she's resentful, she's feeling lost and abandoned, and you see the Lord calling her home. You see the Lord working through all of these things which are difficult and, and they're, they're, they're hurtful. She's struggling and we see the Lord in her life working. And a man comes along. His name is Boaz. And Boaz, you, we find, and I, I've learned so much about Boaz in this last month, that I mean, he was a man that honored the Lord. He knew the word of God and he followed the word of God. It was important to him. And you watch the Lord Lord bless. And then last week, Pastor Roy shared the weird story of of Ruth going to the feet of Boaz. Yes, you're allowed to call a story in the Bible weird. That's okay, all right? Like, uh, but, but she goes to his feet, and really what this is, is Ruth was proposing, coming, coming to Boaz. And Roy pointed out, and really the rest of the book points to the Redeemer, Over and over again, some 11 times you find this word pop up, redeemer, to be redeemed, that he was the kinsman redeemer. At the end of the story, Ruth and Naomi, you find the redeemer. It's beautiful. One author said, at the personal level, the message of the book of Ruth is of God's faithful love leading to restoration and blessing. In a sense, this book is a cameo portrait of the gospel and of the grace of God. We see this redemption that the Lord gives, the Lord offers. So at the end of the book of Ruth, Ruth chapter 4, look at verse 13 with me. 
The Bible says this. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And he went into her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And again, if you like to highlight your Bible or like to hold down the button that highlights that verse on your phone, whatever, I really think this is the central verse of everything that has happened right here. Blessed be the Lord, Naomi, who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you who is more than seven sons, has given birth to him. In verse 16, I hope you see this with me. It says, Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse, his grandmother, to take care of him. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him obed He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And if you're new to the Bible or new to this, you may be like, wait a minute. She, the grandmother, the great Ruth was the great grandmother of David, this guy? Yes, King David. We see the line, and even more important, when we get to the New Testament, you'll find the line of Jesus, because this is what Ruth is doing. It's It's pointing us to Jesus. But here in verse 16, you know, if you've been around, I like to see things. So this verse here says, Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. So maybe this hits me a little bit bigger this week. My, my sister became a grandma this week. So my niece had a baby. Where are you at, Cher? So she's, she's going to be the most amazing grandma. I promise you that. And uh, so little tiny baby, holy cows. But uh, I just think of my sister taking that little baby. Oh, I got her crying. I already got her. All right. But I think of her sitting down with this baby, praising the Lord, huh? And I think there's some things she's going to start remembering. Grandmas, you may do this, huh? You're going to think, you look over there and go, that smile, he's just like yours, yours was the same. <laughs> Start screaming, yeah, the same too, screaming. <laughs> you had to deal with you along to get, get ready, right? Like just, but remembering what the Lord has done, right? Looking back and thinking of her child and now the blessing of this grandchild. So here in the book of Ruth, we have the story, right? We have the beginning of the story. The characters that walk on the stage first, you have Naomi, her husband. They walk onto the stage of this beautiful story, and now we're at the end. As one, as one uh, pastor said, all the other characters have left the stage, and now you got Naomi holding this baby, remembering. And as we read, what do we do? We remember what the Lord has done. We remember who he is. We see the story of God moving in such a powerful way, working when we don't even see him working. I think there's a song like that. 
There's always work in there. And we see the Lord moving, drawing Naomi home. What? Bringing her to the Redeemer. And ultimately, what is this doing? We know the Bible is pointing us to Jesus, who is the ultimate Redeemer who came and died on the cross. And he rose again. So this morning, as as I've studied this, And think about this book. I, I keep coming back to this one point. And, and to be honest, I kind of wrestled with the Lord a little bit. Like, Lord, are you sure this is where you want me to go? It's a little bit different kind of sermon. But as I, as, I, as I read this, there's this spiritual discipline that keeps popping up over and over to me as I read and as I hear from you. And as we as a church read this together, there's the spiritual discipline. Now, when I say spiritual discipline, what I'm talking about, like, we all have disciplines in our life. We should, right? What we eat, there should be that discipline. No fourth cookie. Three or five, no four. Like, that, there's that discipline. The discipline of sleeping. No, I'm going to go to bed. I got to get up early. That, that discipline of, of setting things up. or cal- You know, we have all kinds of disciplines in our life. An important discipline in our life is to remember, right? If you're not good at remembering, remembering is an important discipline, right? If you have a middle schooler and a high schooler like mine, they're trying to teach them the discipline of remembering. Anybody else like me, like your middle school, high school kid? Like, come on, all right, you, you remember, brush your teeth. Remember this, right? Like you got to remember to do that. Remember, okay, it's, it's 10 o'clock, it's, right? Remember what time we go to bed? All right, good. Remember, like, we, remember your homework? You left it at home. We can't do that. You got to remember. You remember your brain? No, you left that out. Right? Like just trying to get them to remember. And as, as family month, like remember, like as a husband, you have to learn to remember, like forget that date and good luck with you. You have to remember, and, and in life, right, we, we, we cheat now, we tell Siri, remind me tomorrow to do this so that we don't forget, uh, 8 o'clock, I had no clue what I was talking about with that, right, but, but, but you use things in your life, you use calendars to help you remember, it's an important discipline, but as I studied this week and really feel like the Lord pressed on my heart, there is the spiritual discipline of remembering, now, spiritual disciplines, these are things that help us to grow in the Lord. So spiritual disciplines like praying and studying and serving and confession and worship, these are things that we have disciplines in our life to do to draw closer to the Lord. So this morning, I want to talk to you about the spiritual discipline of remembering. That all throughout the Bible, over, I feel like this whole morning, I could just read you passage after passage where the Lord says, hey, don't forget. Where the Lord says, hey, I, I want you to remember. See, I believe there's this spiritual battle going on to get you to forget. To get you to forget who the Lord is, what the Lord is doing, what his word says, and to forget that the Redeemer has come. So this morning, I want to challenge you with the spiritual discipline of remembering. Let's pray, and we're going to dive in. Lord, we need you. Lord, may you be glorified this morning. Lord, please lead my words. May you bless and use it in Jesus' name. Amen. So four points. Point number one is this. There is a spiritual battle to forget what the Lord says. 
In our lives, if you know the Lord, there's this spiritual battle for you to forget his truth, to forget what the Lord has promised. I love Boaz because you see a man who doesn't forget what the Lord says. You see it in chapter two. We come to chapter four at the very beginning. He wants to marry Ruth. You see this, like this is his desire. But he looks at the law of the Lord. He looks at the law, Levitical law, and sees what the Lord has set up is God has set up this redemptive system. Now, this may be hard for us to understand, but when people would own land, what the Lord did, he set up these laws because he didn't want the rich people to come in and monopolize everything and push the poor people out to push the widows out. God wouldn't allow that. So here we have the law, and sometimes I know we struggle to see the law as love, but what is happening, the Lord goes, I love you. I'm going to take care of the poor. I'm going to take care of the widow. So I'm setting up these redemptive laws so that their families will be taken care of, so that their family name will not be wiped out. So there were these laws, and you see Boaz following through with what the Lord says. Ruth chapter 4, verse one says, now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. So he seems he goes to Bethlehem, sits at the gate. He wants to marry Ruth, but he knows, as chapter three says, there is a redeemer according to the law in the family that is closer that has first dibs at redeeming the property. As Naomi is selling her property and to marry Ruth, there's somebody according to the law that's ahead of him. So he goes to the gate, he sits down, verse four, and it says, and behold, again, if you're here with us in week two, this is the writer going, well, isn't that crazy who shows up again? This is the writer showing, do you see how the Lord, isn't it crazy? Oh, look who shows up, the redeemer, the one who has the spot to take and to redeem this. The redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend, sit down here. Now, again, when, when you read this, I don't think like this other redeemer was like his close friend. I think this is a picture of him going, hey, buddy, come on over here, buckaroo. Come on, let's talk a little bit. You know, like this is what he's doing. Who uses buckaroo? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and he turned aside and he sat down. And then Boaz took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Again, Boaz, following the law, but wise. Like you see the wisdom here. You see him going, okay, you know what? I want this to go right. I'm bringing account. Hey, elders, you guys come here. I want you to watch what's going to happen here. And then he said to the redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belongs to our relative. So I would come to you because you're the redeemer. As you see in the Old Testament, like this redemption over and over again. So Boaz says, this this is yours. You can redeem this. Now I think about Boaz. You think he could think, man, this could, I want to marry Ruth. This is all messed up because of what God said. I don't know if you've ever done that with what God said. Man, this is what I want. This isn't a bad thing, but if I follow what the Lord says, it could maybe mess it all up. Boaz could have gone a different way. He could have, like, you know, he could have maybe met up with this guy in a back alley of Bethlehem and said, hey, this is what's going to happen, bud. 
Or he could have justified it and said, hey, we live in a time, because we know studying Ruth, this is a time. People don't follow the Lord. They don't trust the Lord. He's not going to do what's right. I can't marry him off. This would all be awful. I'm not going to trust the Lord. I got a better way. I'm going to do it my way. He didn't do that. He trusted the Lord's truth. So he comes to this man and says, hey, you can redeem the the land. And the man goes, great. I will redeem the land. It looks like financially that will be be good to me. I'm going to take it. And then Boaz in this smart because he's smart, he's, I would even say he's shrewd, right? He's not, he, doesn't get, he comes there and goes, oh, and just one more thing. If you redeem the land of Naomi, Ruth, she doesn't have a child. To redeem the land, you have to marry Ruth. Ruth, she's a Moabite. She's a widow. Even thinking about this, she was married for 10 years wasn't able to have any kids. So he says that, right, gives this to this man. This man thinks about it and goes, nope, that's not going to work out for me. Find it, uh, you know what? Nah, I'm good. Now, ultimately, I believe this man, he's, he should have redeemed, he should have done this. He goes, nah, for my pocketbook, it doesn't sound right. Boaz, you, you take her. And Boaz marries Ruth. And I tell you this part of the story because I want to bring you back to not forgetting what the Lord says. That so many times we are so quick, especially in the storm of life, especially when things don't go right, that we live in a broken, hurtful, we're sick, marriage is struggling, and these things, we begin to forget the promises of God and what he says, that his word is true and that he loves us. And we begin to forget that. And the Bible over and over again says, hey, listen, you can't forget the word of God. Over and over again. Luke 24, 8, as G- after Jesus rose from the grave, the disciple says, and they remembered his words. 2 Peter 3, 2 says, I want you to remember what the holy prophets said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. What are you saying? You know what the Old Testament says? We can't forget it. What the New Testament says, we have to study it and, and know what it says. It's so important. Jude 17 says, but you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation 3.3, remember then what you received and heard and keep it and repent. Why do you think there is such a battle over this thing right now? Why do you think there are so many people that stand in pulpits that go, yeah, we're good with this verse, this verse. Nope, not this verse. Why, why do you think there's so many people go, yeah, this, this part is true and you need to hold on to it, but not this part. Why? Because there is a spiritual battle going on to remember what the Lord says. And Satan wants you to forget it or to never know it. So the spiritual battle of remembering, remembering that his word says, hey, Christian, sin leads to death. 
See, many times we get in, get in the storm of life and things are hard, and we start going, God, God, what is your problem? God, what are you doing? And the Lord says, hey, I love you, and I loved you enough to say sin, it leads to destruction, and you keep choosing destruction, and you've forgotten my word, and you haven't trusted me. And now, because sin leads to death, when you turn away from God and go, no, I'm good, God, I got a better way, it leads to hurt and pain. And so remembering God's word, so we run to God and to his truth, that's what changes things. But the spiritual battle of remembering, because then you start to remember in the, in the storm where the Bible says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You remember that his love is greater than anything you remember that no man shall pluck you out of your father's hand. You'll remember that the sin that Satan's holding over you and that guilt that you have, you'll remember his word that says, if you come to the Lord, you shall be forgiven. This is the battle of remembering. So the spiritual discipline is to remember what the Lord has said. The next point is this, there is a spiritual battle to forget what the Lord did. Let's go back to the rocking chair. Well, it's funny, I was carrying the rocking chair out before the 8 o'clock, and an 8 o'clocker said, you're not old enough to sit in that. I don't know, so. But let's go back to the rocking chair. Think of Naomi sitting there. What's beautiful is it says the women of the village, you're like, they, they'd be talking, right? Like, so they were talking, but they were saying, Naomi... You believe what the Lord has done. Again, bringing you back to verse 14. Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. Look, look what the Lord has done. For Naomi to look back on her story and go, yeah, God showed up there. And God showed up there. And God showed up there. I think something that I'm really good at is forgetting the places, all the places that God has shown up. I think it's so easy for me to pray and go, Lord, I sure need you today. And two weeks later, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, maybe he showed up. You don't even remember. You come and you ask people to pray and they gather around and, man, you watch the Lord do an amazing work and a couple days later you forget about it. The Lord says, hey, you can come boldly before the throne. And he asks the Lord, will you take care of me today? And he does. God, God, will you keep me safe today? And he does. God, will you lead today? There's so many times the Lord has shown up in my life. But have have I not been spiritually disciplined to remember these things? Throughout the Bible... You'll find different places where God had the people set up reminders. They didn't have Siri, so they had to do some things differently. Like in Joshua chapter 4, they're getting ready to cross the Jordan, the promised land. The Lord holds back the water. Joshua says, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take out, right? We're told to take out these stones and to set them up. We're going to put these boulders over here. Why? Well, Joshua 4, 6 says this, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean? You will tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. You will tell them what the Lord has done. 
In Exodus, with Passover, they set up a festival. Why? Exodus chapter 12, verse 14. This day, this day shall be for you a memorial. It's to remember. Can I encourage you? Write down those times the Lord shows up. Maybe set a rock aside and go, yep. So that when your grandchildren walk by and go, Grandma, what's that? You can go, well, let me tell you. I want to tell you how the Lord is good. I want to tell you what the Lord has done. This is why we worship. This is why prayer is not just asking. Prayer is praising and thanking. It's bringing us to a place to go, Lord, we thank you for you are a good God. Satan is a liar. And he's going to come and go, yeah, did God really do that? You see it throughout the Bible. Is that, is that what God's really doing? Is that, do, yeah, right, sure. Instead of knowing, man, read the book of Ruth, I see how the Lord works. It isn't always how I think or how I want, and sometimes things don't go how I think they should, but I'm seeing the Lord working. The spiritual battle of remembering. Spiritual battle to remember the words of the Lord. To remember what he did. And then the third point is this. There is a spiritual battle to forget how the Lord works. And what I mean by that, that's why I love studying Ruth. Because it gives you a glimpse into how the Lord is working and and, and what he is doing. So pastor, and this is a little bit longer quote, so I hope you'll try to stay with me. And speaking with how the word how the Lord works in, 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 in reference to Ruth, he says it this way. He says, we must never limit the purpose of God as though he were doing only one thing at a time in only one person and one place at a time. And usually we think here and in, in, in me because we like to be self-focused. Sometimes we can be deeply puzzled by the circumstances of our lives. We can ask, what is God doing And too frequently we focus attention on ourselves as though the answer lay within our individual lives. As if we were the controlling key to the interpreting plan of God for the entire universe. The author goes on to say, God is ultimately aware of us and deeply concerned for our welfare. But his providential purposes, which include me, do not center on me. As though what he is doing in me could be isolated from everything else he is doing. No, God's purposes crisscross, zigzag, cross-fertilize one believer's life with that of an unbeliever. And one believer's experience with another believer. He is always, simultaneously, and at the same time, doing several things in several lives. Isn't that awesome? To hear like... We get self-centered and go, man, what is the Lord doing? And it's crazy. I I love the zigzagging and how God is using different things. You're like, how did the Lord use that and that? You ever seen that in your life? But to know, to remember how the Lord works. My favorite passage in the Old Testament, if you've been around a while, you've heard me share this verse, is Daniel chapter 3. But for me, it's so important in remembering how God works because I can get in the storm and difficulty of life and I forget this. See, Daniel chapter three, 
It's a story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar makes this golden image and tells everybody to bow down. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they remember the word of the Lord. And they say, no, we, we can't bow down. So Nebuchadnezzar says, fine, I'll melt you and throw you in a fiery furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar is mad, angry. He says, I'm going to murder you. So Daniel chapter 3, 16, 17, 18 is that confrontation where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego turn to Nebuchadnezzar and say, Nebuchadnezzar, God will save us from the burning, fiery furnace. And God will save us from you, is what he says. But then he says this. You got that verse in 18? He says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say this. But if not, wait a minute. Where went their faith? I thought their faith was in the Lord. Like they're standing before Nebuchadnezzar is going to murder them. Man, they didn't bow down and they come and go, yeah, our God's got us and he's going to save us. And then this verse, but if not, what happened to your faith? Do you not not trust the Lord? No, they know the Lord and they know how the Lord works. And so in their faith, they go, hey, our God's going to save us. But if our God doesn't do what we think God should do, He's still God and he still got us. Nebuchadnezzar, we still win, you still lose. This was their faith. It was trusting God in the storm, knowing how the Lord works, going, God's not the great genie that does everything that I tell him to do. God is the almighty God. And I need to remember and study to see who he is, to see how he works. It'll change your life. The final point, the spiritual battle to forget, takes me back to verse 14, where it says, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a Redeemer. Here is the most important thing not to forget. Today, the Lord has not left you without a redeemer today. This is the spiritual battle. Take you to the rocking chair. Naomi, today, the Lord hasn't left you without a redeemer. Now, we all know this points to Jesus and it gets really cool because when you go to Matthew, the New Testament, chapter one, Ruth's name shows up. It shows up in the lineage of David. It shows up in the lineage of Jesus, pointing to the Redeemer, Christ. And as you continue reading Matthew one twenty one, it talks about a son born in Bethlehem. Isn't it interesting? Naomi had a grandson born in Bethlehem. But it's all pointing to Jesus born in Bethlehem. Matthew one twenty one. Mary, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save. Or another word for the word saved is he will redeem his people from their sins. Right? To redeem means he set us free. He 
This child will pay the price. And the spiritual battle we have to forget is to forget that today Jesus Christ is the Redeemer. He's the one. John 8, 36. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. We take communion. Next week, we take communion. Why? 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do in what? It's to bring us back to the cross. Listen, when the cross gets light, the world gets heavy. This is why every week, and you may get annoyed with me, we come back to the gospel of Jesus. Why? Because this is where redemption is at. This is where we sit. This is our spiritual discipline of remembering. It's why we have communion. It's why we take time to come back to the cross to remember he redeems. It reminds me of that whole old hymn, Thank You, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Just to sing praise to the Lord because he is the redeemer. Ephesians 2.11 says, Therefore remember at, that at that time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision. If you skip down a little bit, it says, remember that you were separated from Christ, alienated from him, having no hope. And the redeemer Jesus came. So as we wrap up the study in Ruth, I hope it'll help you remember. I hope wherever you are in your walk with the Lord, if you know the Lord, if you've stumbled, if you've walked away, you come back to remembering who he is and what he said and ultimately remembering he's the redeemer. That's why he paid the price of the cross. He ransomed you. That because of our sin, there's a payment to be paid. Because of our sin, we are separated from God. But Jesus came and made that payment. Perfect Jesus died on the cross to take your sin upon the cross. And you may be here this morning going, Jason, you're talking about remembering. I've never known. Well, today you can know. Today you can know Christ. Today you can accept him as Savior. Today you can trust in the Redeemer, Jesus Christ, who saves. The Bible says all that is is putting your hope and your trust in him. And you say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins and save me. Be Lord of my life. And he will. But maybe you're a believer and you've forgotten Maybe you're a believer in the spiritual discipline of remembering you're struggling with. May this week, maybe metaphorically, you'll find a rocking chair. Come back to that baby. 
and you remember what the Lord has done. Spiritual discipline of remembering. Let's stand together. Listen, if we can help you in any way, Phil's going to lead us in a song of worship. We're going to have a baptism. But after the gathering, if, if you'd like somebody to pray with you, if you're here and you don't know the Lord, we will have staff up here. I invite the deacons to come up here just to hang out up here. If you need somebody to pray with, we'd love to do that. Well, God, we praise you. We thank you. Lord God, grow us in remembering. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.